It's good to see everybody here as we begin summer. Uh, kids are now out of school and uh, lots going to be happening for them around here this summer. So good to see you today uh, in, in worship. The preschool and elementary school children are reminded to join us tonight at Vacation Bible School called Operation Overboard. Uh, starts tonight uh, and runs through Thursday night from 6 until 7.45 each night. Registration forms are available in the gym or in the back, and, or you can see Katie. Next Sunday morning, the children will perform their songs and share lessons uh, during the 9 o'clock service uh, next week, so you might want to make note of that. Wonderful Wednesdays for Children begins next week on Wednesday, June the 13th. Uh, preschool and elementary kids are invited to join us for movie day in the social hall from 9 to noon. We'll watch a classic kids movie, plus have all kinds of other fun games and snacks. Sign up by filling out the form in the church bulletin and dropping it in the offering plate today or by contacting Katie Jeter. Um, we are getting close to the time of year when we will be going to annual conference. It's a uh, starts a week from today and um, Conrad and Beanie and um, the Wallaces, Joan and Chuck, will be representing you. Um, look for several things of, of interest to happen while we're there. One is that our own Lynn Pennington is due to be appointed to serve a church. So that's uh, good news and bad news. The good news is this is what she's been working for. The bad news is we'll be doing without Lynn uh, for the coming year as she goes to serve a church. We expect Andy to be reappointed to um, Slater, which means he'll be available to us for um, a while longer as our youth worker. Uh, somebody has, I think I was misquoted, somebody said this is Andy's last year and that's never been said. Uh, I just simply said that he's year by year now, as we all are who are appointed. So uh, we hopefully y'all can hang on to him for a while longer. Um, July 1st is the day that the new minister takes over. Um, I'm here for the duration of June. So, and that's been a change in recent years. It used to be Father's Day was the first Sunday, but they moved it back. And the first Sunday for the new ministers who are moving will be July the 1st. Speaking of things like this, someone this morning said that uh, uh, the wake for Penny and me is this afternoon from 2 to 4. I uh, hope it's livelier than that. Um, but uh, the reception over in the social hall from 2 to 4 today, I look forward to seeing many of you there as we celebrate uh, all that has happened and all that God has blessed us with during these last eight years. One final note. Uh, on behalf of the mission team of uh, youth, uh, Andy would like to thank everyone for your prayers and support. Please continue to pray as the trip draws closer. Um, as you may know, taking 20 people across country to spread the love of Christ to the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation is quite an endeavor. We ask that if you haven't already, that you would please consider purchasing tickets for the upcoming dinner at Lorinda's on Tuesday, June the 19th. We're still a little short of our financial goal and our really hoping for a great turnout uh, for this fundraiser. Again, thanks for all the support you've shown. Tickets will be on sale before and after the service for the next three Sundays. Andy Watson. 
Let us now begin our time together in worship. <clears throat>
would like to invite you to turn to page 880 in your hymnal for the Nicene Creed this morning uh, as we celebrate uh, Trinity Sunday. The Nicene Creed as we affirm our faith in God using these words. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth and of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered the death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in the one Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Thank you. Be seated, please. <clears throat> this fall, this, at this time, we invite the children to come forward and join Peggy Smith for the, a few moments of sharing. because school's out. <laughs> yes. Well, we're going to talk this morning. Um, Reverend Hole is going to talk about a man named Nicodemus. That's kind of a funny name, isn't it? Nicodemus. I don't have any friends named Nicodemus. Do you have any friends named Nicodemus? I don't. Well, Nicodemus was a man, and one time, one night, he went, and he was talking to Jesus. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now, I've got a question for you. Can you shrink back and become a baby and become little bitty again and be born again? Well, Nicodemus was confused. He said, I, I don't understand. I don't understand what you mean by that. And it is kind of hard to understand, but I have something to give you and show you that maybe it will help you to understand. What is this that I have? A butterfly. Okay. When a butterfly starts out, 
It's a worm. Now, would you say a worm is beautiful? No. It starts as a caterpillar, doesn't it? And caterpillars aren't considered very beautiful when we look at all the beautiful things like flowers and birds and butterflies. They're not very beautiful. Well, when a, when a butterfly, when, to become a butterfly, a caterpillar has to go through some stages. God just doesn't take and put beautiful wings on a caterpillar and then it's a butterfly, does it? Do you see caterpillars and then they just get wings all of a sudden and they're butterflies? No, they have to go through a process, don't they? You are exactly right. They have to build a cocoon. They have to go into a cocoon. And when they do that, they are, they are in there for a little while. And they have to work really hard to make that cocoon. They have to find just the perfect place. And when they find that perfect place, they have to work and work and work and attach themselves to the tree limb. Then they have to spin the cocoon. It's a very tiring experience for them. But then, after all that work, and they stay in that cocoon for a while, they come out, and what is born? A butterfly. So it changed from one thing, and it was born again as a butterfly, and it becomes something that's truly beautiful. If you ever sit and look at a butterfly, they have some of the most beautiful colors in their wings. And their wings are so frail, but they're beautiful and it takes them wonderful places and helps them to live their lives. But they started out as a worm. And that's what God wants us to remember about being born again. As uh, followers of Christ, we know that we sometimes sin and we sometimes do things we shouldn't. But if we believe in Jesus and make him our savior and follow what he wants us to do, we can become a beautiful butterfly. So let us all bow our heads and pray. Dear God, help us to follow you and become beautiful butterflies. Amen. And here's a word search with words from the story. And on the back, <coughs> I've attached the things you can use to make yourself a beautiful butterfly. And you can take one with you. You're welcome. Our Old Testament reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. 
With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard a voice of the, the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading today is on page 80 of your hymnal. It's called The Canticle of the Holy Trinity. Uh, I invite you to turn to that page and stand as you're able as we share this passage together. <clears throat> we praise you, O God. To you, all angels, all the powers of heaven, cherubim and seraphim, sing in endless praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. The glorious company of the apostles praise you. The white-robed army of martyrs praise you. You, Christ, are the King of glory, the eternal Son of the Father. When you became incarnate to set us free, you humbly accepted the virgin's womb. You overcame the sin of death and opened the kingdom of heaven for all believers. You are seated at God's right hand in glory. We believe that you will come to be our judge. Save your people, Lord, and bless your inheritance. Day by day we bless you. Keep us today, Lord, from all sin. Lord, show us your love and mercy. In you, Lord, is our hope.
The epistle reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will, li you will live because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Here ends the lesson. Praise 
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, we are very grateful that we don't have to understand everything in order to appreciate it. We don't have to understand how you created beautiful things in nature to be able to open our eyes and look and see the beauty and the glory of your hand handiwork there. And so it is, Lord, in understanding your nature as Father, Son, and Spirit, that somehow is more information that our brains can understand. But we're thankful to know that we have one God who in all things is unified and therefore we don't have to worry about somehow you and Jesus and the Spirit being in any kind of disagreement for you are one. And we are grateful for this so that when we see that you are a loving parent who's given life to all that is, we know that Jesus and the Holy Spirit share that vision and that glory. And we know that when we celebrate new life, new birth, forgiveness of sins, salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. We know that God the Father and God the Spirit are together with God the Son in, in unity, celebrating with us our newfound life and our newfound hope. And when we experience your Spirit coming to give us strength, to give us guidance, to whisper your love to us in our hearts. We know, Lord, that we are hearing the voice of God and the love of Jesus conveyed to us through the work of your Spirit. It is good for us to know that we have these ways that you come to us to impact our lives and those ways are unified and unity as one God in three persons. And we celebrate that. We're thankful, Lord, that you love us and that it was the Father's desire to send Jesus to us and the Spirit to us that we might experience the fullness of God in our lives. We are grateful for opportunities to start over and begin again we find ourselves sometimes in the midst of a mistake. We find ourselves in the midst of temptation to sin. How wonderful it is that we can stop and turn our hearts to you and know that we can begin again, again, if we need to. That the new birth that you offer to us is an event we can experience again and again as often as we need new beginnings. How grateful we are for this. We're thankful that like Nicodemus, we can hear you say that we must be born again, that we can start over and have Jesus build our houses of faith this time, trusting in 
what you are doing in our lives, Lord, instead of what we are able to understand and to do. Help us this day to see ourselves named Nicodemus, called by Jesus to begin again, to start over, and to be born again. These are our prayers through Jesus Christ, who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
favorites. Never, never sang that until I was at a congregation a few years ago, and they sang it nearly every Sunday when they had a vesper time, and I got to like it very much. I'm having a little trouble seeing this morning because on the way over here, I accidentally looked down and saw this bright ring on Jessica's finger, and I just can't see much of anything at the moment. Hope to hear more about that later on. Our uh, gospel lesson is from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Passage that you're very familiar with, I'm sure. Oh, and by the way, before I read it, got some friends from Francis Asbury here today. Good to have the K's with us. Had some friends from another congregation at the early service today, so uh, blessed by good uh, friends visiting. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform the miraculous signs you're doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. How can a man be born when he's old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his, his one and only Son, that whoever ever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. <coughs> Here ends the lesson. <clears throat> Nicodemus was a chicken. And I think about him every time I read this passage of scripture. You see, he forms one of the clearest memories from my childhood. Actually, Nicodemus wasn't a chicken. He was my uncle's rooster. And he was one of the meanest varmints I ever met in my entire life. Whenever I would get out of the car at my grandpa's house, Nicodemus would run over from my uncle's house next door and peck my ankles until I got back into the car or got into the house to my granddaddy. I can still picture in my mind my 45-year-old grandfather 
45-year-old father, excuse me, my 45-year-old father running down the driveway with Nicodemus pecking at his ankles every other step as daddy led that old rooster back over to my uncle's house and together he and his brother would put the uh, rooster up in the barn for a little while so that I could get out of the car without fearing for my life. Nicodemus was a chicken, a real rooster chicken. But there was another being named Nicodemus who also was chicken. And we can see his timidity and cowardice by the fact that he went to see Jesus under the cover of darkness, clothed in secrecy. Nobody got out and traveled at night in that ancient world because of the danger involved, but it was what you did if you had a secret mission. Nicodemus couldn't risk his reputation by being seen in the broad daylight in the company of Jesus. And so he sneaked off from his Pharisee buddies of the Jewish ruling council to hold a clandestine meeting with Jesus. You see, already Jesus was very unpopular with religious leaders of his day. Jesus had chosen to operate outside of the religious establishment. He hadn't tried to become an official priest because, well, he was really of the wrong tribe of Israel for that duty. That was left to the tribe of Levi. But Jesus hadn't studied at any of the schools of the Pharisees or the Sadducees. He was operating independently, just like John the Baptizer and the other prophets of old, claiming a calling from God as his only authority for what he did and said. This independence closed many doors for Jesus, but it opened some doors for him as well. But slammed shut was the door to the official religious leaders in Jerusalem, and anybody seen associated, associating with Jesus might also hear the door slamming on them. So Nicodemus was a chicken who came to Jesus by night so that no one would see him. Has there ever been a time in your life when you were just a little bit afraid or ashamed to be seen in the company of Jesus and his friends? Perhaps when you were a teenager or a young adult, when you were more interested in popularity and being cool, it just wasn't a cool thing to do, to be among the company of Jesus. Perhaps it was in the workplace where you didn't want to appear to be a fanatic, too religious. Perhaps they made fun of anyone who goes to church and believes in Christ. Like a fellow college student, one student once did of me on a Sunday morning early when I got up soon after the sun to get ready to go to church, which was not something lots of sophomores at Walford did in those days. And when I told him where I was going, his response was, what other fairy tales do you still believe in beside the one about Christ? Sometimes it's much easier to live for Christ in the stealth mode, isn't it, than to face such ridicule day by day. This pastor asked a routinely absent church member, do you really see yourself as a member of the Lord's army? And the man replied, of course I do. And 
the preacher said, well, how then do you explain that you never come to church? And the man said, oh, that's easy. I'm in the Lord's secret service. Nicodemus and many others also have been in the Lord's secret service for a while. Now, Jesus had a way of cutting through all the red tape and getting right to the point in people's lives. Like the time that a rich man wanted to be assured of eternal life, and Jesus told him right away that what he needed to do was to give away everything he owned to the poor, to get rid of those things that stood in the way of his being a follower of Jesus, and then come and follow him. The rich man went away sad, sadly, because he could not bear to part with his wealth. In all my years of preaching, I don't think I've ever heard any preacher challenge people to give away all their possessions if they wanted to have eternal life. Go close your checking account, close your savings account, liquidate your stocks and give everything away and follow Jesus and you'll have eternal life. Such a preacher wouldn't have much success with that sermon, but then again, Jesus didn't have a lot of success with it either. Another time, Jesus told someone that if he wanted to obey God's greatest commandment, then he needed to live like he was everybody's loving neighbor, like that good Samaritan fellow did. Well, that sermon would be a little bit more popular to preach, but it still is pretty challenging. Most of the time when Jesus was preaching, his invitation to discipleship was simply, come with me, follow me. But only one time that we know of, to one person, did Jesus ever say, you must be born again. And yet we preachers use that text all the time, as if Jesus used it all the time. It's just easier to talk about than to say, give away everything you have to the poor and follow Jesus. But what exactly did Jesus mean when he told Nicodemus, you must be born again? Nicodemus had been the first one to speak, and his statement showed his struggle. Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who comes from God, for no one could perform all that you do if God were not with him. But if this is so, Jesus, how does what you teach fit into what I have learned in the synagogue and temple since I was a little boy? How does what you're teaching fit into the law and the prophets? And why aren't the other religious leaders getting on board with you, Jesus? The answer was that Jesus was teaching something that was such a departure from all that Nicodemus had previously learned that it wouldn't fit in anywhere very neatly with that previous learning. Like Jesus said another time in another place, you can't put a new patch on an old garment. You can't put new wine in an old wine skin. A new patch must be applied to new garments and new wine must be stored in new wine skins. Now to Nicodemus he was saying, your previous religious experience and knowledge is going to be totally useless to you now. We've got to go back to the very beginning of your life and start all over with you. We've got to start at the very beginning at your birth and give you a new beginning, a new birth. Nicodemus, of course, was confused by this metaphor. 
How could he go back to being a baby again, he wondered. Jesus responded, no, flesh gives birth to flesh, so I'm not talking about physical birth. That didn't need to be reborn. But his spiritual life needed to start all over. Nicodemus needed to push his reset button to restart and begin all over again spiritually. He would soon learn that this new spiritual beginning would not be founded upon the sacrifices in the temple or upon the strict observance of the commandments. It had nothing to do with Jewish ceremonies like circumcision or the proper observance of the festivals. This new foundation for faith was based on the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Spiritual rebirth would be centered around Jesus, who he is, and the relationship with God that he alone can give us. I want you to see just how shocked Nicodemus was by what Jesus told him. Jesus had literally pulled the rug from underneath his feet. All that he had learned earlier pointed to what God was doing in Christ, but Christ was rendering all that passé. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross would supersede all temple sacrifice. The law of Moses would even have to take a back seat because one greater than Moses was now here. And all those picky little rules the Pharisees followed soon really wouldn't matter, nor would how sinful a person had been be of any concern because all that would matter is whether or not the person recognized Jesus as their Savior. Jesus would be lifted up on the cross like that snake was lifted up on a pole in the desert. Everyone bitten by the poisonous snake could look at the bronze snake and find healing. Everyone bitten by sin and death could look to Christ, to Christ lifted up on the cross and through faith in him be saved eternally. That's why Nicodemus had to scrap everything he'd ever learned and start all over. Now the primary reason that this passage of scripture is assigned to Trinity Sunday is that it contains references to all three members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. It was this passage and others like it that caused the early church to scrap everything that they had believed about God and to start over. Spending four centuries working out the doctrine of the Trinity so that the belief in one God would somehow be preserved, but at the same time, Jesus and the Holy Spirit could be proclaimed as divine. But this passage is also important because Jesus indicates that all people are in the same boat with Nicodemus. We all must be born again. We also need to have some of our er earlier learnings challenged. Some of us need to have the rug pulled out from under us because our spiritual foundation is not on a good footing. Many of the assumptions we have made about life and about God are just not right. As I shared with you recently, my childhood assumption was that if my good deeds outweighed my bad deeds, then I would make it into heaven. 
And I had to learn that that wasn't the way it works at all. It all depends upon Jesus' good works, not mine. Other people have a naive expectation that if they give their lives to, to God through Christ, and if they always try to do the right things, then nothing bad will ever happen to them ever again. It is quite a shock to learn that troubles come along to everyone in life and that good people who are trying their best like Job would suffer. And sometimes as we look around us, the careless and the evil ones among us are the ones who are getting ahead. If that was not the case, I guess there would be a lot of people who follow Jesus for all the wrong reasons, for selfish blessings and success instead of following Jesus because he is the Savior and the Son of God. Our wrong assumptions must be scrapped and sometimes we just have to start over. Some folks put their trust in religious institutions or in symbols instead of in Christ. People are not saved because they belong to the right church or to the right group or because they are baptized in a certain way or because their grandmother was a very saintly woman. Receiving Holy Communion is so very important, but it doesn't save anyone. Even though this is the 21st century, superstition still abounds among us if you don't believe it go to any baseball game and see all the superstitious activities that go on among the players. One of our pastors was assigned a few years ago to a church down on, off the coast of uh, South Carolina in one of the island areas, and he was warned not to go to the island without having certain herbs and fruits and roots in his car because those would ward off all the evil spirits that live out there on those islands. Sometimes our superstitions show us that we're not any better than the Old Testament people. We have belief in lots of gods sometimes. We must all be born again. We must be willing to have our way of thinking and believing challenged and sometimes turned upside down and even scrapped by Jesus so that we can start all over like Nicodemus. We must be born again, this time allowing Jesus to rebuild our houses of faith. Nicodemus was a chicken. He came to Jesus under the cover of darkness the first time. But given time and maturity, some secret followers become brave and more open about their faith. We can read in John chapter 7 how Nicodemus stood up in the religious council and defended Jesus at the meeting, urging the leaders to give Jesus a fair hearing before deciding against him. Oh, the other men did ridicule Nicodemus, but still he stood up for one he'd come to believe in. And then in John chapter 19, we find that it was Nicodemus and another secret follower of Jesus named Joseph of Arimathea, who boldly went to Governor Pilate to ask Pilate's permission to take Jesus' body down from the cross for a burial. Nobody took people down off of crosses in those days to give them a burial. And look who did it. 
Not Peter. Not John. But Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. Nicodemus wasn't chicken any longer because he had been born again. Amen.